Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pardon My Pancreas. My name is Matt Vandevecht, and I'm a certified trainer and nutritionist, one of your hosts today, and the other host is Ali Abdul Karim. He is a social media influencer, an incredible guy, and we are both type 1 diabetics here to share our knowledge and experiences with you. We occasionally interview people that are very knowledgeable in the diabetic world, sometimes doctors, sometimes influencers, people living with it. And this episode is brought to you by FTF Warrior, an online health coaching company for diabetics. And we will go further by saying this is not medical advice in any manner. We are not doctors. We will never be doctors. And nothing said on this podcast is meant to replace your doctor's order. So consult your doctors before you make changes. Without any further ado, let's get into... What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pardon My Pancreas Podcast. Today, we have another exciting guest on. Talk about a new dynamic that, honestly, I've never run into before. And today, we have Syra. She's going to tell us about life with diabetes as well as diabetes in the family dynamic. So, Syra, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Syra, if you could, tell us a little bit about your own type 1 diabetes diagnosis and what that was like for you. Sure. So I was diagnosed when I was about eight years old. Um, I was living with my family in Pakistan at the time. Um, So there's not a ton of information or education about it in society over there. And um, got misdiagnosed a couple of times before going into DKA. Was in the hospital for quite a while. And um, when I went back to school, all the kids thought I was contagious. So I had, yeah. So I had to switch schools, actually. Um, It was pretty rough. I have one friend from that time. And, um, yeah, so I switched schools. There was still a a decent amount of stigma around diabetes in general. Um, It's a societal thing where it's like if there's something wrong with you, you don't talk about it. But with diabetes, you couldn't really, like, not tell people you had it when you're a third grader. Um, So it it was a little rough in the beginning. And I managed to survive. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, within Pakistan, was it difficult to find medication or just the education was lacking? Or what was that whole experience like? Um, both. So honestly, I'm really lucky that, you know, I'm from the background that I'm from, that my parents were able to afford um, medical care. I was actually born in the States. I was born here in California. And we had moved back to be closer to um, my grandparents. And so we had a base here in California. And after my diagnosis, my parents made a point of coming back to CHOP, which is the Children's Hospital in Orange County, um, every summer to get my, like, diabetes care and our supplies for the year because they never wanted to be in a position where we didn't have what we needed just in case. And so I was really lucky. But that is definitely not the case for most people in Pakistan. yeah, yeah, so we were just really lucky. That's incredible. That they would allow you to have a year's worth of meds ahead of time as well. Um, yeah, we were paying. We were, my parents were paying out of pocket. It was all cash, so they put aside a lot of money just to be able to take care of my diabetes. Um, and I'm assuming they didn't have a problem with it at that point. I do have vague memories of picking up test strips and all sorts of things from Costco a long time ago. Oh, wow. I didn't realize Costco had that that far back. I thought that was a new thing. Um, they definitely didn't have CGMs or anything like that. I'm talking right. about the basics like the, the meter and the, you know, the big gauge lancets and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like 20 plus years ago. Wow. 
So growing up, you obviously had a lot of uh, obstacles with friends trying to think or thinking that you were contagious. And uh, what was that impact like with uh, your mindset? Was it difficult moving forward with diabetes or did you kind of get over it right away? I think as kids, um, and we'll talk about this when we talk about my daughter as well, we tend to bounce back a little bit quicker. Um, and I think for a long time, I thought it had ne- it didn't impact me, but in all honesty, it, it, it has. And I didn't realize the impact um, my diagnosis story had on me until after meeting my husband and we like kind of hashed out our different experiences with type one and I actually talked to someone about it. Um, so in hindsight, yes, it definitely did. It had this um, impact on me basically kind of pretending type one wasn't a big deal, almost like I needed to prove myself like, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't define who I am. And I don't have to do anything different than anyone else. Because um, like, I was, when I was first diagnosed, it was like, oh, there's, there's the girl with the problem. Mm-hmm. And so I had like, I had a reason to not want that to be an outside thing that you could see. And it wasn't until, um, yeah, meeting my husband who has type one that like talking about that and him being like, why, why don't you just ask for help? Why don't you just, why, why do you have to pretend this isn't a thing? And I started like really digging deep into that, but I realized, Oh, maybe that did kind of mess with my head. Yeah. I mean, I can see obviously from growing up where you were told or not told, but they thought it was contagious. It would kind of push you into a mindset where you want to prove yourself and I'm still going to be able to play sports and do everything I want to. Um, did that lead you to, in your opinion, not seeking out friends that were diabetic or even the diabetic community at all? Yes and no. So my mom was super into, you know, all the chalk events and everything when we come in the summer. And I remember there being this one friend of hers that she'd made who was like a lifeline of hers who I actually just saw the other day. Um, and she had a daughter with type one around my age and she also had a sister that was as old as my older sister. And so my mom was always trying to push us to be really good friends. And I hated it because she was always <laughs> was comparing me to her. She's like, why don't you just do things like she does? Oh, like, yeah. I'm not her. Um, so I, I hated it then. Um, and in hindsight, again, I, I get that my mom's heart was in the right place. But mm-hmm. for me at that moment, it was like, I'm not her. I'm not going to be like her. I'm not going to do things like her. Um, so that was, I didn't at that point. But then I did go to a diabetes camp. I want to say between middle and high school or sometimes around then. And I had one friend that I like really connected with. And we like stayed pen pals because I, was, I wasn't living here um, for a really long time. And we lost touch, but we were, we probably stayed in touch for at least a good five years. Um, wow. But after that, I never really had a friend with type one like that. Not like you, you hear about all these kids nowadays that have diabetes and I never right. had that. <laughs> so what was that first diabetes friendship like? Was that mind blowing or was it just a normal thing? Um, it was normal. It was literally just like we, we stayed in touch after camp. Um, we would write letters maybe like every couple of months to each other. Um, And the last interaction I had with her was actually kind of scary. Um, She sent me an email saying, I know you don't drink, but if you ever thought about it, don't because she had a really scary low when she was, when she was drunk. And that was like, that's really stuck with me. And I never tried alcohol partly because of that, partly religious, but um, Hmm. yeah. Well, that's incredible. 
Um, and you said not pick your curiosity at all because of that event, or you said it's partly religious and you just decided early on that you wouldn't try it. I did. I was pretty dead set on not trying alcohol from the beginning. I'm Muslim and we just, we don't drink alcohol. So it was already something I, I knew I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, but then after like her telling me her story and then also, honestly, I've always just kind of compared that feeling when you're really, really, really low um, and you can't recognize anything and, you know, the world's just a blur as what I think being drunk would be like. And I don't know mm. why I would do that on purpose. Yeah. No offense well, to anyone that chooses to drink. <laughs> of course. But yeah. looks little extra incentive to not drink when you hear a, a scary story from one of your friends like that. I totally yeah. get that. So you mentioned earlier that your husband had this chat with you about mindset and diabetes and how it may have shifted when you were a kid. Um, he has type 1 diabetes, is that right? He does. So he was diagnosed when he was 10, um, a little bit sooner than I was simply because he's older than me. Um, and his diagnosis was way different. It was like at a routine doctor's office. And hmm. that was about it. <laughs> Um, they just, they, I mean, they did send him to the hospital once they saw that his blood sugar was a little bit high and, um, and, but his, his story was whenever his mom talks about it, she says that she went into his classroom to like tell all the students about it and they got to win getting their blood sugars checked if they got answers about diabetes, right. And like, Oh, wow. um, I know. I'm like. That's the coolest thing ever. But that was (laughs) apparently when you're 10 years old, getting your blood sugar checked was really cool. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. Positive spin on it too. So they're all excited about it instead of being scared that it's contagious, you know? Yeah. So very different experience. He's always been like unapologetically diabetic and like, all right, can't do this. I'm low or whatever. Like whatever he has to stop doing. If he has to eat way before everyone else, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, it is what it is kind of a thing. Interesting. So you guys are on the complete opposite spectrum of experiences, it sounds like. Yeah, in some cases. Um, I mean, he had his own, I guess his trauma would be he um, he was really, really scared of lows, like really scared. I think like a nurse practitioner kind of like scared him at one point. And so he would wake up multiple times in the night because he was so scared uh-huh. he'd go low in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, he still wakes up at night. And I, now I don't know if it's because of our daughter or because of himself. Um, just out of habit, like after we got married, I was like, why do you get up so much in the night? And he's like, I don't know. It's out of habit. I just had this thing ever since I was a kid. The doctor told me like to be scared of lows and I just wake up to, to check. Yeah. No, so, I, we, I, we all I, have our issues. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. And this disease, it's, uh, it can alter how we perceive the world based on the experiences we have with it. You know, some people have bad DKA experiences and some people have bad low experiences. And uh, unfortunately the mind is a fragile thing that can stick with you for a while. Yeah. And we don't even know it. Yeah. It just feels like this is normal life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It becomes habit. Yeah. Now are you guys, uh, what do you use for, diabetes therapy are you guys pump users cgms are you syringes and vials we use anything and everything so uh (laughs) i am looping i have been for about a year um my husband is on the 670g and then we just got isla on the omni loop as well wow 
you guys are all spread out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we also have a diabetic alert dog because we just like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, that's what kind of dog is it? He's a golden retriever, so he's a diabetic alert dog. Oh, love it. So yeah. you guys have uh, CGMs as well? I mean, you do because you're yeah. leaving. Yeah, so me and Isla are both on the G6, and then um, my husband John is on the Guardian, which we are not as big a fan of, but um, it works when it works. Okay, yeah, I've heard similar stories. <laughs> um, curious question that I have, I've always been wondering this, does your diabetic alert dog or the Dexcom G6 catch lows first? Which one's the first to alert you? It's usually Sherlock. Um, he, hmm. It depends on how quick the rate is dropping. Okay. So there'll be times where, you know, Dex will say I'm 100 and he'll start, he, he has different levels of alerts. So depending on how aggressive his alerts are, usually if he's just kind of like hovering around me and does like a little nose nudge, it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be going low because mm-hmm. um, he can catch it sooner. Um, and Dex is a little bit behind, even the G6. It's still at least like 10 to 15 minutes behind, mm-hmm. um, like a finger poke. So he's he's usually even, and there's times where I'll I'll check with the meter if he's like really insistent. Um, and I won't I won't treat him unless it's an actual low. But more often than not, when he's that insistent, like 15 minutes later, Dex arrows will start dropping or climbing wow. whatever it is. So first of all, I just caught that you named your dog Sherlock. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it is was that, appropriate. Is that because he's a diabetic lair dog? Yeah, we figured he's going to be um, detecting. Lead detective. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Uh, another question, actually, I've been wondering about diabetic alert dogs. Is he trained to notify any of you for low blood sugar, or is it just one person that he was trained for? So we originally got him with the intent of it only being for Isla. So uh-huh. the way they they train for Isla drugs is they have you send scent samples. So it's basically your saliva when okay. you have different levels of blood sugars. Um, so they had us hmm. literally put like a cotton swab um, in her mouth when she was at different, you know, between 50 to 70 and 70 to, I can't remember the numbers, but you get the point. So there were like yeah. different little vials that we had to put them in and send them over. So we were hoping he would just work for her because Ilo was diagnosed when she was 10 months old. So oh, wow. she couldn't tell us anything. She yeah. had no idea. And honestly, she was so tiny. I didn't, I didn't put a CGM on her for quite a while and we didn't go to a pump straight away because she was tiny and I hated the idea of seeing her diabetes on her, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was totally fine with shots and, and testing for the first year. Like she couldn't care less. Um, so we're like, all right, why, why mess with it? Um, yeah. So we, we got him hoping that he would help us kind of see things sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew he wasn't going to be able to alert to her. He still can't really alert her because she's still tiny. She's four years old now. Um, and he's, he's a pretty big dog. So if he, if he mm-hmm. tries to alert at her, which is basically him pawing, he'll yeah. kind of knock her over. Oh. So he's, he's trained to tell us. Um, and originally I was supposed to be like the handler. But we happened to get him a week before our second daughter was born. And I had no patience for a dog at that point. So he ended up <laughs> kind of uh, defaulting to my husband as like the person he tells if all of us are around. Mm. Um, and also my husband is the one who usually feeds him and takes him for walks. So he's the one he is most like bonded with. Does that yeah. make sense? Um, so he'll, he'll usually alert to my husband first. Um, okay. And then 
if he's not listening or if he's on, you know, if he's working or whatever, I'm like the second person he'll come to. He doesn't alert to my daughter yet though. Okay. And then, um, yeah. And then he, he also like, if you know, my whole family is around, he'll alert to my dad for some reason or anyone else. I think it's partly because my dad also has like taken him for walks and yeah. Him, takes him to play and he's like this guy likes me i'm gonna right. <laughs> listen to me whereas my mom's gonna be like go away <laughs> yeah <laughs> too funny so you mentioned that i so said isla is uh, another type one diabetic yeah so we have two daughters um isla and anara isla is four and anara is two hmm. and isla was diagnosed when she was 10 months old wow so three out of the four family members have type one diabetes yeah we're hoping it stays that way <laughs> Yeah. Have you had your fourth uh, tested for antibodies? We did. So we, uh, we did at her one year checkup because they have to do blood work anyway. Um, uh-huh. so we're like, let's, let's just throw it in there. In hindsight, I don't know if I would do it again. Um, she tested negative, but that doesn't mean that she will never get it. Right. Antibodies can show up at any point. So, um, you know, we could do the tests in five years and she might have them. Um, I, I'm still on the fence about enrolling her in trial net just because if they came back positive, I don't want to change how I live or how I make her live Mm -hmm. um, based on that. And we test her blood sugar like once a month, the beginning of every month we test her. If there's anything like she literally drinks one extra glass of water and I'm like, hold on, come on here. (laughs) Test your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, One extra diaper. And it's like, what's going on? Anything even slightly off. We Mm -hmm. we check her blood sugar Thankfully, her pancreas is working. That's good. And it sounds like you guys have a good dynamic as far as how you're approaching this because you're not testing her every day, but you have a regimen where you're like, okay, once a month, we're going to keep an eye on this. It's not the worst due to a single finger prick. And uh, yeah, that you don't want to change her life because diabetes doesn't have to mean a different life. You know, you can still have fun. You can still do the same sports. So I, I like the way that you guys are approaching that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to just, like, if I if I get this result that says she's got the antibodies, I don't want to feel like I have to put her in this bubble to protect her from all the germs out there, you know? Right. Um. So, yeah, and I, I mean, she's she's totally fine with testing her blood sugar. She actually, whenever we do pod changes for Isla, she's like, I want a pod too. Um, <laughs> so we have to put on, like, the the sample ones and, and yeah. distract her. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So how, how is that dynamic then with you and your husband being type one with a daughter that's type one and one that's not, does that affect, I mean, obviously she wants to be part of the, the whole, what she perceives as fun and <laughs> getting a pod yeah. change. But so, yeah, just tell me about the, that dynamic. Um, well, just cause I was kind of on that track with Isla and Anara. It's kind of funny. She will tell me she's low when she's hungry, even though she obviously <laughs> isn't. And I remember the other day, Isla like, grabbed her by the shoulders and was like, Inara, your pancreas works. Mine doesn't oh, <laughs> you wow. go low. And I was like, wow. And she was three years old and she said that. So it was, Dang. it was like, I was like proud and like heartbroken at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she'll do that all the time where she's like, I'm low. <laughs> she's, she thinks that lows mean snacks. Um, <laughs> and then on that same line, the hardest part for me as like having type one and then, having a child with type one is, um, and I guess this would be the case. Well, no, not really. But um, like when I'm low and I have to eat something mm-hmm. and she's high is like the hardest scenario we're ever in because I mm-hmm. can't not eat. If I was just right. a regular mom, like whatever, she's high and I, just, I won't eat. Not a big deal. 
Um, but when I'm low, I, I can't not eat. And when she's hot, I mean, especially if she's, she's, you know, in the 200s spiking up or whatever. Um, it's hard to explain to her why I can eat and she can't. And she understands lows and highs. She understands, like, she'll look at her Dexcom and she knows what color means she's in range to be able to eat. And, you know, um, like, I'm looking at mine and it's, what is it? It's the yellow. She knows she can't eat when she's yellow. Okay. Um, and, like, she, so she, she understands all that. She understands that she has to wait for for food that she can't just ask for something and eat right away because we need pre bolus or whatever Mm -hmm. um but it's still really hard to tell a four-year-old like mama's having a juice box right now but you can't yeah um and i try to eat stuff she doesn't care for but that's really hard (laughs) with a four-year-old they want to eat everything right um so yeah that's probably one of the hardest um hardest things and then um not really in line with having her have type one but another hard time like being a parent with type one in general is um lows when you're driving um like having to pull over on the side of the road or not move somewhere when your kids are strapped in the car seat is really hard and there's only so much frozen i can listen to on loop to like keep them at at bay um and it's happened a couple of times where we're just like kind of stuck in a parking lot or something because i was in the 50s or something just not going to drive at that point especially not with my children Oh yeah. Um, and you know, waiting for juice or whatever it is to kick in and kids are not patient, especially not when they're <laughs> strapped in. And I don't have like the ability to like wrangle them into their car seats. Um, mm-hmm. with even when I'm like not low, it's harder. It's way harder when you're low. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of uh, being low as a parent is, is, is really hard. Being high doesn't really make a difference to how you parent for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from, you know, if you're really high consistently, which really honestly hasn't happened in a long time, but yeah, um, there's a certain level of patience that having type one takes. And there's a certain level of patience that being a parent to two little kids takes. And it's, it's hard to balance out the need for both sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like I lose my patience with my kids more than I would like simply because either I'm low or, you know, something is, you know, Dex isn't working or something's going on and it could be my type one or hers. Right. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways that type one tests your patients. Like I was telling you earlier, we had the two pod failures and the decks come off yesterday. So like stuff happens and it's hard to know who I'm mad at. <laughs> is it is it my kids because they're not listening and they're not eating and not sitting or is it is it because of diabetes? Right. So, yeah, that's that's a hard part. Um and then as far as there being two of us like my husband and myself, I I feel like I I we have a good number of type 1 family friends. Um as in like families with kids that have type 1 because we've tried to make it really normal for Isla that might be me trying to make up for what I didn't have as a kid to be like it's totally fine like not having a working pancreas is like some people that need glasses type of a concept um but so we we have a decent number of friends that have that have kids with type one and there's usually like one parent that's like the primary type one person right like the person that is communicating with school or the person that always does pot and site changes or whatever yeah does all the extra research and everything yeah, the person that goes to the doctor's appointments, whatever. Um, for the most part, me and John kind of share that equally. 
Um, I'm definitely the primary person in the daytime. Um, and then he actually is before loop. He was the primary person at night. I think it kind of worked out that way after we had Anara because I was up with her all the time. We were just like, we're going to share children at night. So yeah. you take that one. I'll take this one. Um, and it's funny enough, but like when he's home, cause he travels for work, um, relatively often, but when he's home, I am like dead to the dex alarm. I will not wake up to them at night. Really? Um, yeah. But if our two year old gets up, if she cries or whatever, I'm up in a second. Wow. And he's the opposite. He will not hear my two year old. She'll fall out of bed and be bawling. He won't hear it. Um, <laughs> but as soon as the dex goes off, he's like, he jumps right up. Um, mm. But when he's not home, I wake up with them. It's, it's, I think it's psychological. Like I just know he's got it and I don't need to be aware of them. Yeah. Um, but when he's traveling, I am, I'm really on top of it. Huh? Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> right. So within, um, as far as who takes care of your kids and at certain different times, you mentioned different like days versus nights. Um, but have you developed a primary care parent? if that makes sense between like type one and since you have type one diabetes, I I assume you both have the same amount of knowledge. Yeah. We, I feel like we're both pretty um, equally involved in her management. Um, And I think I'm really lucky in that because I probably don't have as much burnout as most parents do. Right. Um, Unless I do, because I'm balancing it with my own type one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I feel like we're, we're really lucky in that. I don't have to explain something that I know more about to him or anything um Mm -hmm. aside from a loop recently that's super recent um just because i've i've been doing it for a year and he doesn't know the nuts and bolts of how that works okay um but he's i mean he knows he knows everything i need him to know and um you know it it's it's nice to have someone that is equally able to tell me how much to bolus her um or Mm -hmm. you know what templates will use or you know all the different settings that we go through yeah, um, and you can trust having, that. Yeah, without having to like change that. Um, I'm also super lucky that my mom is able to do that because she obviously she took care of me growing up, so she she oh, knows true. she knows everything. Um, so I have an extra caregiver. I, I mean, honestly, Isla's blood sugars are probably better when she was with my mom than with me because like that's all she does. She like takes care. Like she's like her pancreas. Um, yeah, and. Um, Whereas I'm usually trying to be a mom to two and do all this other stuff as well. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to take care of Isla and that's it. So like, yeah, that's, that's really nice to have, which again, I don't think most people have because their own parent probably isn't half as comfortable. Right. It. That being said, my mom has not done sight changes. She just doesn't like poking her. But oh, okay. She doesn't, she doesn't have to. So yeah. It works out fine. Hmm. My sister has done it though. She had to do an Omnipod change in the middle of Disneyland for her once. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's really nice having family. That's like, yeah, we got this. We took care of you your whole life. What are you talking right. about? That's, that's an amazing dynamic. It's unfortunate that you had to grow up with it so that they could become educated, but an amazing. I will, at this point. I will take it if that's what it means for Isla to have, you know, a supportive family. Absolutely. Yeah. So within the, the family dynamic, then what would you say is the most difficult part of learning to take care of your daughter who has type one? So I'm a really big proponent of like the whole, your diabetes may vary concept. 
Uh Um, Me and my husband will eat the exact same thing, but we have completely different carb ratios and insulin sensitivities. So we'll need completely different amounts of of insulin for the exact same thing. And then obviously we'll have had, we'll have done different things in the day. So he might have exercised, I may have not or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And a toddler is a toddler. She's got growth hormones through the night. She will tell me she's going to eat something. I'll bolus for it. And then she'll change her mind after taking one bite. And it's like, oh, oh man. Now I have to reward you for bad behavior because right. fast acting cards usually taste good. She's, we don't, we don't do, um, glucose tabs in this house. I can't stand them. I, think they <laughs> I Yeah. Um, so she usually gets rewarded with something like skills or fruit snacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, like toddlers are just completely different. And then her, for the first, I want to say year and year, no, it was probably just a year. She was on diluted insulin. Um, and that changes things a little bit because every vial is different. Um, and so settings needed to be changed a lot. Um, oh, there was yeah. a lot to learn when our daughter was diagnosed. It's not, it wasn't as, we obviously knew more than the average parent. Right. Um, but parenting a, a kid with type one is so different than having it yourself because you're a lot more careful with your kids and you, you know, you care more about them than you do yourself. If you go high, it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, if they do, you're like, Oh, my kid's feeling crappy. Like I don't want, you know, you, you, you feel this need to take care of them better. Right. Um, and it's just little kids are just, it's really, it's way harder um, it's not because I know less about type one or anything. It's, you know, we're both me and her are using the exact same system for the most part. I'm just looping with an old Medtronic pump and she's using an Omnipod. Yeah. Um, but our graphs are totally different because she's a kid and uh, my settings are dialed in. I'm not growing. I'm not changing anymore. Right. Um, for her, every single day is different. Did you so, find that with your extra knowledge of type one that you wanted to be more controlling and more tight control for her in the beginning we weren't honestly for the in the beginning we were we were told um you know being under 250 is totally fine um like 250 being your threshold was fine and um i still kind of agree with that because to some extent children um your cells like regenerate quicker Mm. and so we weren't worried about like kidney damage or anything like that we were more worried about about lows right and especially when she was 10 months old like she wasn't even really eating solids at that point very much um so like we were we were just dependent on her nursing at that point and it wasn't it was really hard to calculate that and calculate that with insulin so in the very beginning of diagnosis there was a lot to learn um we probably texted with her endocrinologist like every week for the first couple, <laughs> the first couple of weeks um, and just because the, the rates of insulin and the way things are calculated with children are really different. Um, if I had decided to just like treat her myself when she was, when she was in DKA, like I probably would have messed things up pretty bad because children, if we, if I had just given her a shot of insulin, that would have, that would have messed her up. Um, there's a certain rate that you're supposed to do things at. Otherwise her brain could have swell. There's a lot of, there's like a lot of things I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's scary, but, um, it's, it's kind of hard to talk, to kind of talk about like her first diagnosis versus now. Cause they're so different because 10 months versus four years old is, is a world of difference. We weren't on CGMs in the beginning. We weren't on a pump. We weren't, we definitely weren't looping. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, in the beginning we had a lot to learn and just because we had it didn't necessarily help that much. Um, I mean, we, we knew the basics, we knew what it was, we knew why, you know, kind of how it happens. We know, we knew the signs, we knew insulin versus, versus carbs and all that kind of stuff. We knew, um, you know, the really important information that they send you home with the hospital, off the hospital with. Um, Mm -hmm. But the actual management itself is just, it's really different. So I don't, I don't know if I had like a leg up compared to other parents. Um, The only advantage I might've had is the fact that I know that it's something she can live with just fine and it wasn't going to debilitate her or, you know, stop her from doing anything because, you know, I've done whatever I wanted to do. Um, Right. And it hasn't stopped me. So that's probably the, the best thing. Um, and I mean, other than that, we're still, we're still always learning. We're still always trying to figure out, you know, there's plenty of people who have been living with their kids for longer than I have that have their, their kids settings dialed in better than I do. Um, is it because they have more knowledge of type one, they have more experience? I, don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think it's just simply a case of everyone is really everyone's case is really different and no one can tell you this is the right way to manage your diabetes. And it all comes down to figuring out what works for you. Yeah. Um, So within your whole family dynamic of a lot, I assume a lot of the conversations being centered around diabetes, do you find that it's difficult to talk about non-diabetes or is that more of a normal thing where you kind of ignore diabetes? Um, Like dinner talk or something. Neither, neither of those. I mean, I guess I would like to say we're just a, we're a regular old family that has diabetes in our office just as much as any other type one family, maybe a little bit more because we have more sight failures and more sight changes than the average. Mm-hmm. We have more insulin in our fridge than most people do. Um, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I think we have a lot of insulin. I feel like sometimes I could run an underground pharmacy with how many <laughs> Um We don't really talk about it as much as I think people think we do. Um, right now, we do simply because we're still trying to figure out Ella's settings with, with Loop. Yeah. Um, but we're not, we're not usually like, hey, how are your blood sugars today? <laughs> That's never a question we ask. Okay. Um, it's, you know, we can, we're both following Isla, obviously. Like, we both have Nightscout on our phones. We both see what's happening with her. Um, there's more, there's, you know, there's conversations around like, Hey, can you help me put my, you know, change my site today? Um, my husband will never put him in his back or his arm himself. Um, and even just like, Hey, just FYI, she needs this, you know, she needs a site change today or it's, it's whatever time it happens that the parent in charge is the one that's going to do it. It's never like, Oh, you're the one that does site changes or you're the right. one that does pause versus this or whatever. It's, equally both of ours, just depending on when it happens to need to happen. Um, I am the primary person when it comes to school. Um, so whenever there's like pod failures at school or the decks get ripped, gets ripped, off, ripped off at school, um, I'll be the one to go and, and change it and handle training teachers and that kind of thing. Um, it's probably the only thing that I do more than him, but he was doing nights more than me, so it kind of works out. Um, yeah. And yeah, as far as conversations, it depends on, you know, like if we're going to eat something we don't usually eat, it'll be like, 
hey, what do you, how many carbs do you think this is? How are you, how are you going to handle this bolus? Right. Um, or sometimes it'll be like, hey, don't forget to pre bolus or dinner is going to be ready in 15. Kind of like yeah. a reminder, like, hey, go ahead and take your insulin. Just really casually shouted across the house. Um, <laughs> like, hey, did you pre bolus her? I don't, my hands are dirty, something like that. You know, like yeah. so that's kind of the way it goes in, in our house. Um, there probably is, I mean, and I think this is probably normal to any family or, you know, with a kid that has type one, but, um, you know, there's those days that are really hard. We had, I want to say this was like maybe two weeks ago, we had two really painful, like, sight changes for Isla on the same day. Like, we just did them all together. And uh-huh. both of them just, like, really hurt her. And she started, she was just falling. Um, and I was holding her and she said, I don't like diabetes. I don't want diabetes. And, like, oh, I rough. started, I started bawling and I don't want yeah. her to see that. Um, so it was just kind of like a, like called him over, even though he's working. I was like, can you, can you take her for a second? I need to like go have my moment where she can't see me like yeah. crying about this. And I like texted my type one mom friend and was like telling her how I was feeling. Um, usually because I don't want her to see me having those moments in front of him because I, I need to be strong for her. So she's got like a role model. Um, mm-hmm. and so I actually probably talk about type one with my type one mom friends more than I do with my husband. Is that weird? I, I mean, no, we it sounds it like you guys have an incredible dynamic within your family on, on how you take care of things and it, it works for you guys. Yeah, I think it does. That <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds awesome. And uh, I mean, it's, it's very intriguing for me to hear your perspective because I'm looking at it from mine, which is, I have type one, my wife has Crohn's, but we don't ever fully understand each other's struggles. And yet if we had a child with type one diabetes, I know that I would be the primary caregiver for that because I know how it works and I know, you know, insulin and bolus and um, I can make those adjustments, but to have both parents being able to share that load, that's very interesting. And uh, it sounds like you guys have it nailed down pretty well. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of happened naturally. It wasn't like this thing that we like sat down and had a talk and we're like, this is how we're going to handle it. We just, I think partly because we both have type one, we didn't have to have that conversation about right. who was going to be the primary person. Yeah. Well, thank you for your, uh, your very intriguing perspective. I've appreciated listening to it. I wanted to uh, invite you to share if you would like for uh, mm-hmm. where people can find you online. If you want to share your Instagram or a blog or anything like that. Sure. So I'm on Instagram at type one basics. And then I have a website blog type thing called type one basics.com as well. Um, sharing resources for things we found really useful, like infographics for teachers and downloads and stuff like that. Um, stuff that I found helpful with type one for myself. Um, and yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Anyone who shares resources, that's completely encouraged. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Figured if I lived with it this long, might as well try and give back what I little I know. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's giving, uh, giving back to the community what you wish you would have had early on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Sire, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure listening to your story and your perspective. And uh, I wish you the best in everything and stable blood sugars every day. Yes. That would be, <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Thank you so much, Matt. Of course. All right, guys, that's it for us today on Pardon My Pancreas. Be sure to subscribe, check out the rest of our episodes, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a great day.